Howdy, folks. This is good old J.R. Jim Ross. I want to thank you for downloading the Ross Report. And I certainly want to thank all the sponsors. We've got some great sponsors who make this possible every single week. He's considered the greatest broadcaster in wrestling history. Yes, sir! And now, WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross, the legendary voice you heard calling every major wrestling match in human history, brings his famous friends to the podcast world. Nice! Welcome to the Ross Report. Oh my God, ladies and gentlemen, it's broken in half. This show is broken in half, it's loaded for you here this week on the Ross Report. Slavert Knocker Audio, baby. We've got it big time here this week because uh, I'm going to be talking to Chris Jericho here in a few moments and uh, about a lot of things, including his big Chris Jericho cruise, Fozzie's on tour. Chris is in Vienna, Austria tonight. We're going to be talking to him from Vienna. And, of course, that little match on uh, Wrestle Kingdom, Wrestle Kingdom 12, January 4th in Tokyo, Kenny Omega. Versus Chris Jericho, the king of Winnipeg title is on the line. No, I'm kidding. It'd be a hell of a match, though. It's getting a lot of buzz, especially in North America, a lot of buzz. So we'll talk to Chris about that. And then I will have uh, part one of a hell of an interview conversation I recorded a few days ago with Dave Batista. So we've got Jericho and Batista in this show tonight. But we all know why you tuned in. We kind of get it. Uh, you know, I think we know. But we're going to uh, have all these guests, all this great stuff, right after you hear what's on my mind. It's time! It's time! It's- what's on JR's mind? Checked out Monday Night Raw for a, for a few minutes before I get a chance to sit down in my home and uh, watch the DVR. Obviously, everything gearing towards the Survivor Series, as it should be. Interesting. Involvement of Triple H leads to a lot of potential things. Can't see him with WrestleMania season getting around the corner, at least that, right? He's not wrestling for the hell of it. Going somewhere with it, and why not? I would. If I were booking this card at WrestleMania in New Orleans, Triple H would be on it. Because no matter who he works with, he's going to have a solid match. Fundamentally sound. But I thought Raw was solid. You know, I didn't see anything that I didn't like in that regard. So we'll talk more about that maybe next week if something pops in my head. But everything pointed toward Houston this weekend, Survivor Series on the WWE Network on uh, Sunday night. On the Saturday night is uh, the War Games for NXT TakeOver. I'm going to try to take that show in myself. I might, make a, I might do a drive-by at the War Games in Houston. I'm going to be in town. I might as well enjoy that. I enjoy those cards. I enjoy that brand and those kids that are hungry and have big eyes. I like that. Think big kids. Think big. You know, my granny used to say, she'd say, Jimmy, that's where I was Jr. Jimmy, what do you want to do for a living? I had a different answer all the time. And so one day I said, I want to be, I got this transistor radio and I got this little, one little earplug and I'm listening to KMOX radio out of St. Louis and these two yahoos named Jack Buck and Harry Carey were telling stories in the midst of calling a baseball game. I thought it was the dentist thing, coolest thing. It was like being with my grandpa's and they were telling fishing stories. So I would tell my granny that I wanted to be the new voice of the St. Louis Cardinal baseball team. 
because I was so impressed with the skills and the storytelling ability of Jack Buck and Harry Carey, two, obviously, Hall of Fame broadcasters. Then I'd give her my answer. She would say, uh, well, Jimmy, somebody's going to do it. So I always dreamed big. I had a great imagination. That's what you get sometimes when you're an only child. You develop a great imagination. So Granny always said, uh, well, somebody's going to do it. And I've always kind of kept that with me. Somebody's going to do it. I want to write a best-selling book. Sure you do. Well, somebody's going to do it, so why not us? And that's what we're in the process of doing. Uh, and, the, again, the signings have been a blast, man. I have had so much fun. Uh, the one we had in Atlanta last week was a, was a new experience. It kind of happened organically. But the folks that came to the signing, they were given the chairs, and they sat in this Barnes & Noble on Peachtree in Atlanta, they come through the line and we'd shoot the degrees and they have a question or two and they got a selfie or, or we took pictures with them, whatever, signed the books. And then they said leaving, a lot of them went back and sat back down. And then I just, I saw we were drawing a little audience there. So I interacted then with everybody that came through a little bit more vociferously. And so we had a little impromptu Q&A, bottom line. Fun as hell. Had a lot of fun. So and thank you, Atlanta, for last week. Tony Schiavone, our, our guys at uh, Rock 100, he used to be Buckethead. He's not Buckethead anymore, I don't think. He might be. He, he'll always be Buckethead to me, ladies and gentlemen. So this uh, Friday night, that'll be on November 17, in the year of our Lord, in uh, Paul Vosch's town of Houston, Texas. I'll be signing Slobberknocker at uh, the Barnes & Noble at 5303 FM. 1960 West. Yes. 5303FM. It's like a jingle for a rock station. Hi. Good old JR. It's 5303FM from our 1960 West studios. Them I almost got into Gordon there for a second. So that's this Friday night. That's going to be at 7 o'clock in uh, Houston, Houston area. So get the right uh, Barnes and Noble. And by the way, as I go through these, I'll go through them quickly. But all this information is at our website, the world's loneliest website, ladies and gents, jrsbarbecue.com. Also, then coming up on this is a new one, and one that obviously I'm going to be I'm kind of jacked about because it's my old stomping grounds. I'm a nine one eighter at heart. I'll be signing Slobberknocker in Tulsa on Sunday, November twenty sixth. That's the Sunday after Thanksgiving, four o'clock. Barnes & Noble, 71st Street location, signing Slobberknocker there. And it's a big town because, you know, look, my two daughters live there. My granddaughters go to school there, Lincoln Christian Academy, Lincoln Christian School. So I got all my friends, all my fellow 918ers. Should be fun. That's Tulsa. Then where else? Where else am I going to go? Oh, New Orleans. Yeah. Actually going to be in Metairie. But if you understand Southern Louisiana to any degree, you know that Metairie is a suburb of New Orleans. And I'll be there on uh, Wednesday, November 29th, 7 o'clock as well. Barnes & Noble as well. That address is 3721 Veterans Memorial Boulevard in Metairie. Barnes & Noble. So I'll see you there on that. And then, you know, we're rolling into got some business to take care of in uh, New York and, and New Jersey. Tuesday, December 5, we'll be at the uh, Barnes & Noble in uh, Tribeca, New York City. Nice event. 6 o'clock is that show, that signing. 
Slobberknocker signing. And on Wednesday, December 6th, I'll be in Ridgewood, New Jersey at Bookends Bookstore. Been there before. Great people. So uh, two big signings there coming up that I am, I'm pumped about. Should be a lot of fun for everybody. And like I said, they kind of turned into little meet and greets and more and pictures and all that stuff as they should, but also a little Q and a element too. So, and look, here's the deal. I'm going to tell you this and my publisher probably doesn't like it, but I don't care because I'm defiant in my older age. If you don't want to buy a book or you can't buy a book for whatever reason, I get it. And there's no problem. You still come to the signing. If you want to, you want a picture, you want me to sign something else that you've already, you bring with you. No worries. Happy to do it. Happy to see you. Would I like to sell you a book? Hell yeah, I would. Of course. But the bottom line is, I'm just happy to see you there. Uh, and I appreciate the support. So some book signings coming up should be good. And uh, that's that. Jack Swagger going to the Bellator organization. 35-year-old, hell of an athlete, strong, country strong. And he was a two-time All-American wrestler at Oklahoma University. Heavyweight. 6'5" have no problem making that 265 uh, weight limit as a heavyweight. That'll be good. I'm not comfortable with the, some of these drastic weight cuts that we have seen in, in MMA over the years. It's suicide. It's stupid. It needs to be reevaluated. These guys aren't gamecocks. They're human beings. That, that, cut, that weight cut, man, is, I just don't see how anybody could justify being healthy because it defeats the purpose. They weigh that weight for a few hours. And then they, the next night when they fight, they rehydrate and ate and they gain 25 pounds. So what the hell? That don't make any sense, man. So swaggers in Bellator, weight cut won't be an issue to him. I will say that the key to him is going to be, can he get the mindset to want to get back in that wrestling room? Like he was at OU and at Perry, Oklahoma, and really get his ass in great shape. I think he will. And the other thing is I hope that he signs a good striking coach. Good striking coaches can help you with striking defense. And many, many amateurs that go to MMA are vulnerable to strikes because that's not something they've been taught. They've been wrestling, not boxing. I'm pulling for him. Hope he does well. Wishing the very best of luck as well on that venture. And I'm sure he's still going to do some indie wrestling or wherever. He's, a, he's an entrepreneur now, and I can't imagine Bellator would want him to stop earning more money wrestling uh, in, on the indies. Now, obviously, if he gets a fight signed, he's not going to do it because he can't afford the injury. But good for him. I'm glad he's trying it. He had an interest in that a long time ago. He's casual because I, I talked to him in my on my couch in my living room about getting into wrestling and helped him get his tryout, and he took the ball from there and ran. But I think it's going to take – for him to be successful, he's got to be able to manage strikes and strikers. Kind of a melancholy week for many of us. It's the uh, 12th anniversary of Eddie Guerrero's passing. Some of my most vivid memories of Eddie. Eddie could be very moody, and I just loved him. I loved the moods. Had no issues with them. And I remember a couple times very prominently that his comrades were worried about him. Benoit and Malenko especially. And they'd come to me, you know, you should check on Eddie. He's not having a good day. So I would find him. I'd sit down and talk to him. And always our conversations in that, in that context always end up, Eddie, 
when's the last time you read your Bible? And he would look at his shoes and it might've been a day or two, but that's what he got. That's what he did. He found peace and uh, tranquility to some degree by reading the word uh, of the, of the Holy Bible. And it wasn't fake. He made, it was really legit. So Eddie was a strong man of faith. What a hell of a hand boy, a great worker. Golly. You know, people say, when you, when's wrestling going to be like it used to be? Well, well, go find me some Eddie Guerrero's out there. They're everywhere, right? I don't think so. So in any event, melancholy memories and, uh, it was a swell guy. And could he be a handful? Yep. The old story was if Eddie drank beer, he was funny and laughing and a cut up. If Eddie drank hard liquor, he was Andre the giant. So, and I can kind of identify with that a little bit myself. But he was great to be around. I'm glad that we were able to meet with him at Vince's house and uh, sit down and talk and bring him back and and sign him. Great signing for us. Great get for us, without a doubt. Hey, uh, just a reminder that MLW is uh, doing another big show down in Florida on December the 7th. I'm going to have some guests on the next few weeks that are going to be participating in that event. MLW.com has all your info. I'd check it out if I were you. Big indie show. Is it really in, is MLW indie? They're MLW, right? So it's a big MLW show. But bottom line, the information is at MLW.com. That's on December the 7th, and a whole lot more information on this show coming your way on that event without a doubt. Real quickly, our tickets for our show in Boston, Laugh Boston, Saturday afternoon, December 16th, are on sale at LaughBoston.com. Jeremy Borash and I are going to do a little tag team there and have some fun, some laughs, answer your questions, and just generally uh, raise some hell during the holidays. Saturday afternoon at Laugh Boston, the main show starts at 3 p.m. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what's on my mind. Now on Podcast One Sports, it's a family affair on Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast. We're going to attack this day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. Hear incredible stories on Sound of Success, the Dick Enberg podcast. Oh my. And guess who's talking America's favorite basketball team. Hey, it's Jay Moore and it is time for America's Lakers podcast. Listen on Apple Podcasts, the new Podcast One app. And where else, Jay? PodcastOne.com. Hey, folks, a lot of you are still tailgating. I'd appreciate you checking our products out for your tailgate. That will make you happy. Uh, a lot of great things to go with your grilling. And you can get those at www.shop.com, quite frankly. They ship all over North America. And uh, also, if you're in the southeastern part of the country, uh, the great uh, grocery store chain, family-owned, but a wonderful group of folks, Ingalls Markets also carry our products and every bottle they sell, we will donate a portion of those proceeds to Headlock on Hunger, help feed hunger school kids. So it's a good cause. You get a great product, tastes good, whether it's my mama's original barbecue recipe or a hot barbecue sauce. Or I love the faulty ketchup. It's great on meatloaf. It's great on sandwiches in general. It's great on scrambled eggs. And it's great on fried taters. Let me tell you, big time. It's sweet and kind of smoky flavor. Our main event mustard has uh, is jalapeno honey mustard, and then we have award-winning all-purpose seasoning as well. So all that's at www.shop.com. The information to get on all these products, anything we're talking about here at uh, my website at jrsbarbecue.com. So uh, we appreciate your shopping for at www.shop. 
They're great stuff. Well, they're real customer friendly. Turn the orders around quickly, and our brand is growing. So we're happy to say that. And we're going to see some amazing things happen. We believe in 2018 with our with our brand on a, on a global basis. And also, by the way, I do these videos where I'm talking about our book signings for social media. These little videos we do, and uh, I'm wearing the Slobberknocker shirt. Well, all my shirts of that nature, Slobberknocker, by God, all those type things. There's a real cool uh, Slobberknocker shirt with the cartoon of my crazy ass. But those are all available at ProWrestlingTees.com. Ryan Barker and his team are great, great folks to do business with. They size up to 5X. They ship anywhere in the world. The amount of work that they do in helping wrestlers is amazing. And, and it's admirable. And I want to support this this group of folks in Chicago. Pro Wrestling Tees Shop or ProWrestlingTees.com. And uh, check them out. So it's a good group. Good products. And by the way, if you go in their store in Chicago, the last I looked, they had some signed copies of Slobberknocker left and I think a little bit of uh, some sauce and things. So go by and check them out and you'll, you'll enjoy it. I can spend all day there. I love the look at all the, the potential shirts I could have in my T-shirt drawer. Yes, I still have a T-shirt drawer, kids. Nothing wrong with that. The Ross Report. Famous rock star, Renaissance man. Arguably the greatest wrestler in the history of Canada, and certainly of Winnipeg, Chris Jericho, my hero. Wow. Huh? That's a hell of an introduction. Hey, I'll baby. take it. Yeah. I'll take it. Why not? Hey, how are you? You're in the, as folks were talking to Chris here tonight, he's, as he always does, for me and a lot of guys, going the extra mile, like drawing the house for New Japan, not a big deal, he goes the extra mile. <laughs> he's actually helped the business. I'm in Vienna, and it's actually one one thirty in the morning. And that's mm. the type of uh, that's the type of guy. And I stayed up until one thirty in the morning to talk to Zen. Tony Condello would be so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> you that don't notice, Google it. Has for fun with that. So, <laughs> hey, I looked. Uh, I want a couple of things I want to talk to you about, but the, the matters at hand. People can still come see you on this massive tour. My God, you guys are booked. You got a lot of dates, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm in the Fozzie tour um, in Europe. And actually, our song Judas is top five on rock radio now. And it's kind of gone worldwide because I think the video is almost at 11 million views on YouTube. So even in places where there's not radio per se, everyone knows that song. And so everyone's really uh, kind of getting into the band. We're like a 17-year overnight sensation at this point. So <laughs> it's good, man. You know, it's like when you catch it, when you catch that uh, lightning in a bottle. Yes, sir. There's no guarantee you can recapture it down the road, you know, type deal. Well, no, that's the thing. Like David Lee Ross said, here today, gone later today. But yeah, it really reminds me kind of almost when I first started in the WWE, where you know it was finally got to this point. Now you really got to take things to the next level and really make it work because the spotlight is on you and the microscope is on you. So um, it's kind of what's been going on. So um, we got another five days on this tour: Vienna tomorrow, then a bunch of shows in Germany, then Belgium. And then uh, we're off for a little while until uh, until February when we come back to Europe. Um, so it's been going good, man. We're going to be out in the States in March and April and February. So things are going really cool right now. I'm proud for you. Happy for you, too. So what are you going to do in December to book yourself away from home? <laughs> there's got to be something. Yeah, I don't know, right? There's got to be something out there. You know, there's got to be something you can do to get a few overnights here, there, and yon, you know. You're a wanderer. That's what Flair would call you, a wanderer. 
Well, I mean, I've been on the road since I was 19 years old, too, yeah, so I, it's I like, heard. that's not going to change, right? So, no. um, and there's always a lot of cool things going on between the podcast and the band, and, you know, I've got a, a couple shows going on. i got a show on the Tribal Channel that starts on November 17th. It's called The Legend of, where we kind of, where this episode, you would have loved it, we're searching for the missing gold of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid oh, cool. in the deserts of Utah for the Tribal Channel. So yeah, there's a lot of cool things like that kind of come across my my, my desk, and um, I'm always willing to give it a try if it sounds pretty interesting to me. See, that's the thing about you and other successful entrepreneurs that I've known in other businesses. They don't really have a fear of failing. Failure is not really an option. They go into it with the theory that we're going to win this, we're going to get this deal, or we're going to be successful, whatever we're doing. But I never, I've never planned for failure ever in any of my gigs. No, and the thing for me is that, you know, it's, it's, I don't know if it's a cliche, but it's something that I really believe in. I think the only failure is not trying. Yeah. You know, and I think the, the more, um, the more confidence you get when you can start, um, succeeding in these things, the, the more unstoppable you become. And when you talk about, you know, um, starting my career, I wanted to be a wrestler and I wanted to be in a rock band. Well, how do you do that when you're, you know, 19 years old? Well, here I am all these years later and I've done both of those things. So, to, to make them both happen at, 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 at you know, WWE, the highest of levels, and, and music getting to the highest of levels, um, it, it really becomes, like I said, the confidence and the wherewithal and the business acumen and knowing the work ethic that you need. Once you get all that, it's, it's pretty hard to fail because then you just start trying a bunch of different things and creating your own businesses and, and using that, that knowledge that you've amassed to, to help out other people you know, and become a producer, an executive producer, that sort of thing. So there's a lot of that going on as well. So I think, you know, even if you take a guy like 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 our both our former bosses, future bosses, current bosses, whatever, Vince, Vince McMahon, once he kind of got the WWE off the ground, then he's fearless in trying all these other things and expanding the business model and doing things in a different way. And that's because you have the confidence and yep. the ability to do so. So um, I've learned a lot from him and from those those attitudes for sure. I look on your schedule for Fozzie and uh, hit song. Congratulations on that. But boy, you're, you guys are booked Thank in you. some cool places. Is it like the voice? A lot of times you see the gym, you see the hotel, you see the building, and you see the airport or whatever, the road. Do you get to see Copenhagen, Oslo, Oberhausen, Munich, and then Zurich, Barcelona, Madrid? Man, I got to get in trouble with those places. Yeah, that's all cool, and, and uh, that's all in February we're going there. Um, but even, like you said, now, and a lot of times you do just see the venue. Like yesterday, yesterday we had a show in Rome. Um, we've never played in Rome before, and I've been there a couple times, but the, the show was kind of um, like in an industrial area, so you get off the bus and there's nothing around but just kind of like buildings, and there's a big venue in, in this industrial area. So if you want to go see some things, you got to take a taxi and, and, and make a point of it. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's hard to do when, when you're on, on the road because, you know, we got sound check at three and then we've got a meet and greet at four and then we've got time between five and eight. But what are you going to do? Take a taxi to Coliseum no. for, you know, 30 minutes. So no. yeah, yeah, exactly. It is kind of hard. And you know that from being on the road. Um, if you have a day off, maybe you can go look around, but we had the day off today. 
we had to drive 16 hours from Rome to Vienna. So by the time we got in, it was 7 o'clock at night. Ugh. I'm looking on my window. It looks like a nice city. Maybe I'll go check it out in the morning. What are you traveling in, Chris? What kind of transportation are you getting? got a big, uh, big, big tour bus. Um, a really nice tour bus, which is funny because you never know what you're going to get. And as soon as like, the first day of the tour is always kind of the scariest because it's almost like the first day of school when you're in high school and you show up to see who else is in your class. And hopefully you get some guys or girls in your class that you can get along with. It's the same with the bus. Sometimes you show up on the bus is like the worst. And other times you show up and it's like the nicest thing ever. So yeah, so this is how hardcore. They've got the Xbox on there. They've got DVR movies and it's got a, two lounges and, you know, three areas and that, that's very cool. The other times I'm showing up and it's been like a roach coach where they actually had to have a exterminator come on and, 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 uh, take care of the roach problem for whatever reason. I don't even know why. It wasn't like it was that bad of a bus, but, you know, when you get that sort of situation, it kind of humbles you a bit too as well as the big rock stars getting on the roach coach and going to the next town. Yeah. I mean, it's rock and roll, man, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of them did, man. A lot of them did, and and some of those solo, yeah. and some of those solo acts just traveling on a, a caddy or something. Back in the day, yeah, yeah. Hank Williams, yeah, senior, for example. That's the difference between traveling with with, with WWE and traveling with Fozzie. And Fozzie were all together on the bus. Sometimes I go on my own because I like being by myself. Whereas WWE, I just travel completely by myself now because um, it's just easier that way. You know, I enjoy it more that way. You know, I'm, I'm getting a lot of, uh, and one of the things I want to talk to you about here tonight was next year, folks, you, if you're not aware uh, of the Chris Jericho cruise line, that's another venture. <laughs> He's going mm -hmm. to, we're, we're all going on a big cruise October 27th through the 31st of 2018. So you haven't missed anything. There's plenty of tickets. There's a great availability in all price ranges. You can get that uh, information, ChrisJerichoCruise.com. I believe that's accurate. And the King and I are going to be uh, co-hosting this event, which should be really interesting because Jerry doesn't drink, and I do. <laughs> he won't, and I will. So, uh, and you know, uh, we were talking about having a, uh, having a tour in 2018, ringside with JR and the King. And they do these great, That's great. get a Q&A, get us a nice moderator that can put a sentence together and say, we're going to focus on this show on the Attitude Era. So the moderator then, some bright guy or, or my people, or I would help, here's the questions. So get us jump started with some questions from the moderator and then ask then the audience then chimes in and does their thing. So for us as a performer, it's stuff we do. We just, we answer your questions every day anyway. So this way we can do more yeah. of them thoroughly. And so we're looking at doing this. So maybe by then we'll have several shows under our belt and we can do ringside with Jaron the King show on the, on the cruise. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. Well, actually what I want to do is have, have you guys do an episode of, of talking Jericho together as well. Um, cause I think that's something that people would love, you know, yeah. the chemistry that you guys have and all the history that you have. And I mean, that's what I'm thinking of now because the, the, the lineup has, has been announced. Uh, now the, the Ring of Honor uh, guys are starting to be announced. Young Buck, Andy Stone, Cody Rhodes, Brandy Rhodes, uh, with a lot more to come. And I think in the last couple of weeks, uh, the cruise has really picked up. It was so good, but now it's really going towards where I think we're going to sell this thing out. And it's exciting because I think at first a lot of people weren't sure exactly what it was going to be. 
And then when we keep announcing all these names, not only the Hall of Famers and the legends like yourself and the King and Mick Foley and Ricky Steamboat and Rey Mysterio and the list goes on and on, but then we've got some of the hottest talent in the world today currently with the Young Bucks and Marty Stroll and Cody, uh, many more to be announced. Um, and then all the live uh, uh, podcasts, the live shows that I want to do and kind of the different ideas that I have kind of putting them together. And, um, it's, it, and the best thing is that it's, it's all inclusive. And I think that's one thing that people are starting to figure out. Like when you go on the, on the, uh, on the Jericho Rock and Wrestling Ranger, when you, when you get a cabin, when you, when you reserve your cabin, all these activities, all these bands, all the comedians, all the live podcasts and Rick's side with, with Jim Ross and Todd Historico and all these other things, it's all inclusive. So um, it's almost like you get this vacation, and if you're going to go to, a, I don't know, a Comic-Con or a wrestling convention or something like that, when you have to buy the ticket, and then you have to go spend 50 bucks a shot to get a picture in August, it's not like that on, on this cruise. So I think that that's another thing that people are really getting excited about. And it's going to be a really cool vibe, because it's never been done before. It's, it's the first time ever. Uh, that we've had a cruise with the ring aboard the ship with the tournament taking place at sea. Um, so I'm, I'm uh, every day, every morning I get a new report on my cabin during the day. And if it's a high amount, I'm excited. If it's a low amount, I get angry. But it's going to be a long, long year. Uh, it's reading these reports every day, but it, it's worth it. Like you said, man, it, it's, it's, it's something that if I didn't do, I'd always wonder. Yeah. And now that I'm actually getting some, some sniff of, of where this is going. I think it's going to be something that is a big success and becomes an annual thing that everybody who likes the same things that you and I do. Because I know you're a big rock and roll guy too, JR. are going to really appreciate this. I think it's going to be a blast. Every day and night, there's going to be a lot of activities. And as Chris said, one size fits all. You buy your ticket, everything else goes with it. All these activities. You're going to be able to meet and greet more big-time players for – Absolutely no charge once you get on board. You'll never get that opportunity again. I don't know where where's that happen because everybody's got to make their dime. So and, and these, well, and the I, I'm not going to sell. I'm not going to sell pictures. You know, I'm I'm there. You know, you just mentioned you know having a couple of drinks. Like when I did a kiss cruise, the first day it was like, oh my gosh, it's Chris Jericho. Uh, you know, you get your pictures, take your autographs, whatever. And the next day, others oh, Chris, and the third day, we actually becoming friends with some of these people on the cruise, we're actually hanging out with each other. And that's another thing. It's like we're not sequestered behind some kind of a, you know, a, a fence or a wall. It's a cruise ship. There's only so many places you can go. And we're all basically in this together. So that's another element that, that that's pretty cool is that you get a chance to maybe go see a, a Jim Brewer comedy show with Nick Foley or go watch, you know, Jim Ross and JR and Chris Jericho do a podcast with the Young Bucks or whatever it may be. So, um, I, I think that's another aspect of it. And doing that Kiss Cruise really opened my eyes to how, how cool of a concept it was and how much of a success it could be in our world. Um, so, like, like I said, I think uh, it's going to be a really cool experience for everybody. I'm really, uh, really excited about it, and I'm really excited about the long enough, too. I think it's really solidified. I still have a couple more uh, additions that I might make. And believe me, as you, as you know, Jim, I am getting calls and tweets and texts from every person <laughs> ever, uh, band, wrestling, independent wrestling. <laughs> so, um, needless to say, it's been pretty funny every day. Like, I'm all booked up for this year, but maybe next year, you know, but uh, it's good to know that people are getting excited about it. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about it too. I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I haven't been on a cruise in years. You know, mm-hmm. the, my, the late Mrs. and I went on a few of them and uh, enjoyed them. So, 
It's going to be great. Everybody should really check this out. ChrisJerichoCruise.com. And, Chris, you got all kinds of – you make it convenient to buy. That's what I'm trying to say. A lot of price ranges. There is. There's a lot of levels, and, and I'm noticing that, you know, uh, some of the, the, the less expensive ones are starting to fill up. There's actually some decks and some areas that are sold out. People are kind of picking and choosing. If you bring a family, maybe you want a bigger suite. Some people are coming by themselves. Some people uh, want a, a shipmate, a, a cabin mate. We'll help you find one. You know, we'll pair with somebody that's similar interest. Oh, that's, that's, an interesting, um, that's an interesting option. Yeah, yeah, because there's a lot of people like, oh, I want to go, but I'm by myself. It's like the, the cruise line is used to this sort of thing, and we'll pair you up with a roommate that, that you'll be happy with. But, uh, but that's one thing that the, the people that I'm, that I'm working with do. Be fun, buddy. Hey, uh, tell me the dynamic. Did did Vince know about your deal with uh, with Kenny at Wrestle Kingdom before you announced it? You have a great relationship with him. Yes. Where I would see yeah. that he would say, "Go make the money." Yeah, I mean, not to get into specifics, but a, you know how smart I am uh, throughout my career, and you know the relationship I have with Vince, and I would never jeopardize that or uh, or, or give him any nasty surprises. So. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. And like it. you said, you know, he, he, I, I think in the back of his mind, no matter how much uh, wrestling fans sometimes like to uh, lionize Vince or whatever the, the word is, uh, kind of, um, you know, think that he's this big, evil, uh, manipulative guy. I think he appreciates the fact that when the business is healthy, I think he knows that it's better for his business as well. So for Chris Jericho to go to New Japan, I mean, everyone knows that I'm a WWE guy. It's just the way it is. I have been for 17 years, but this is a once in a lifetime, uh, uh, a dream match per se with a lot of money at stake. And for me not to pursue that, I thought would have been a, a crime. And I think Vince felt the same way. Um, because like I said, the timing of this is perfect because Kenny being the biggest star, uh, foreign guy and maybe the biggest star in Japan, period. Uh, me being one of the biggest stars in the WWE after coming out saying the best ones of my career, where he is the best in the world right now, and I, I've been the best in the world for many years in the past, or at least, at least on many nights. Um, I think also the fact that I kind of grew up in, in Japan the same way he did, and I've been there 60 times, that's six zero times. Um, you know, both of us coming from Winnipeg is a very interesting fact, but I just think it, to me, it was almost like McGregor and Mayweather in that this match that you never thought was going to happen because you're like, well, how could it even happen? That's ridiculous to even think that. And that's another reason why it really intrigued me when, when kind of the idea was, was, was given to me and why I really pursued it because I thought, like, wow, what a cool thing for, for wrestling fans and for, uh, you know, New Japan fans, American wrestling fans, everyone in between, the boys in the business, the girls in the business, to show, to do something completely off the, the radar that no one ever thought was going to happen and to kind of see the surprise and impact and see how it's, I mean, basically blew up the internet when it was announced because no one could believe it. 
Will you, I don't know their culture, the New Japan culture, will you be able to have a comfortable influence in your match presentation and the, the subsequent buildup to that January 4th date? What are you going to be doing that you could talk about to, uh, to promote the January 4th? Because I'm shocked it's not available on pay-per-view here. I'm shocked. Well, that's something that, that's something that we're working on, too. Um, obviously, in Japan, one of the priorities is the New Japan streaming service and getting that over, which is fine. That's great. And then, to me, the more people that see this match and this show will be more apt to get the streaming service. Without so, a doubt. That's some good I think, marketing. I think rather, yeah, I think, I think rather than just relying on that, because quite frankly, I feel that it's going to break it's going to break it, you know, the, the proverbial break the internet. I think the amount of people that want to see this might even break the, the streaming service. So I, I'm working on the pay-per-view as we speak uh, with our mutual uh, manager, uh, Barry Bloom, who, who, who I think we've got some real inroads on that because I think people realize, I don't think, I don't think New Japan quite understood how big this was on an international level. Uh, maybe in Japan it's, it's, it's a big deal, but here and worldwide, everywhere, maybe even but Japan, it's, it's the it's the main event of the show. I mean, it's it's the co co it's a, a double main event is is what New Japan is calling it. But to me, I think the majority of fans in this country who are interested in outside uh, wrestling besides WWE feel that it's the main event and, and a damn big one at that. So. Uh, I think to, to not put it on pay-per-view would be to leave a lot of money on the table. Mm. And that's definitely not going to happen under my watch because this match definitely is all about, like I said, just the, you know, it can only happen once. That's First it. time, uh, only time. And, you know, the, the, the match is huge to me. The concept of the match is huge. The surprise of it is huge. But also, it's a big payday. And I want to take as much advantage of that as I can because, like I said, it's one of those matches that's never going to, it can only happen once and the timing for it is perfect. So we might as well take as much advantage of it as we can. You know, I've called uh, many of Kenny's matches since I hooked up with Access TV. They had the contract with New Japan, as you are well aware. Friday nights, we do some business on their network. But Kenny's been on a real amazing streak of the back to back to back thing with Okada. And like I said, we got to call all of them. I think your skill set and his will really mesh well because some people have the misconception that Kenny is a spot guy and only a spot guy Mm -hmm. and he can only fly. Kenny's got a real good ground game and a very believable, physical, intense ground game, especially with his kicks. So I'm saying he can pretty much mold anybody's style, but I think uh, you guys are going to mesh real well because it'll be hard for Okada and Naito to follow. That's all I'm saying. Another thing, too, about it, Jim, is it's funny because I hear some people saying, oh, I hope Jericho can keep up with Omega and all these sort of things. Oh. And the funny thing is it's not a matter of keeping up with anybody. It's a matter of what kind of a match we have. And I'm bringing 27 years of experience, 17 of, of being a, uh, on top main event, headline WrestleMania uh, performer. I understand how to tell a story. Yep. I think uh, some of the angles that I've had in the WWE have been some of the best in WWE history with John Michaels and Rey Mysterio and Kevin Owens. I mean, there's a lot of them. I'll tell you something right now. Here's, here's an exclusive for, for, for your show. I have never watched a Kenny Omega match before. Uh, I'm going to start watching them now and get into the groove and start figuring out how I want to run this match and how I want to, and what the ideas are. You want to start watching. Uh, I wanted to wait until, until I could really focus because I'm, I'm the type of guy that I can't just make ideas happen. It's like writing a song. 
uh, the muse has to come. And then when the muse comes, I'll come up with the whole match in, in, in 10 minutes. So I, I, I want to start really focusing on some of Kenny's work when I get off this tour. I just heard about Kenny. I've talked about Kenny. I've listened to a lot of people that are experts in the business tell me about him. And I'm really excited to start delving into some of this stuff and really focusing in on it, seeing how Chris Jericho can start putting together a match uh, on his mega strengths. And also from him as well. I'm, I'm really excited to hear what his ideas are. Yeah, sure. Kenny's not a spot monkey, but New, New Japan is a different style. Mm-hmm. Um, and WWE is a different style. If we can combine the two, I think that the fans in New Japan and the fans worldwide are going to uh, lose their minds because it's something that, once again, has never been seen before. And it's a real cool concept and idea with these two similar styles, but also quite different in a lot of ways as well. Kenny's never worked where I have. I've worked where he has. So I understand how to work both into the framework of this match. I am so excited about that uh, presentation. And somewhere along the way of it, Josh Barnett and I will be calling those Wrestle Kingdom matches. And last year, we did it like the next day. So everything got accelerated. And we did the whole ca- whole show over about a three-week period, starting off with, uh, I think it was an Okada match. Oh, really? Yeah, I want to see. I'm really, well, they want to start off with the main event. And he was in it. Him and Omega, I guess. Kim and Kenny. They, they cooked. They were a great match. Really good match. Kenny's kicks and his knee strikes, his striking stuff. Man, it's it's really impressive. Really, really impressive. Well, like like we said, he, he's got the confidence too. I love that. I love guys who have confidence, and I love working with guys who are who are older. And sometimes they're not, and that's just that's part of my job too. But it's like like do you remember Hogan versus Rock? I mean, obviously you remember Hogan versus Rock at WrestleMania eighteen. Yep. The match itself was, you know, it was fine. You you watch it without the sound. It's actually kind of. You know, like kind of bad, but you turn it on with the sound and it's amazing. Like it's one of the best matches you could ever see because they're both so over and people knew all of their stuff. Like Sean versus Undertaker was 50% there before they even started because it's Sean and the Undertaker and you know their histories and you know their, their, uh, their finishes, their, their moves and then and, and their style and their gimmick. It's like that with, with Omega and Jericho because you know, uh, people know both of our styles, know both what we do, and, and the concept of this match even happening is so unbelievable that right away, you know, I mean, you could probably go stand in the ring before it even starts and people are going to chant, this is awesome, if it was in, like, the States. They might even do it in Japan, too. And just standing, we might stand there for five minutes if the crowd is into it. I don't know, but that's the cool thing about it is that you have all of these elements in play to make for a very special match. Like I always said, like WrestleMania, everybody at WrestleMania wants to steal the show. But some matches d- just aren't designed for that. If you're like in the second match and it's a six-man, you got ten minutes with entrances, you're not going to steal the show. It's okay. Don't You don't have to feel that you're going to because you're not. But then there's other ones, like you know maybe it's a championship match or a single match later down the car that has some steam behind it that's given 20 minutes or 25 minutes. Now you have the ability, and all of the, uh, the the factors in play to have a show stealer. And I think that's one thing that, that Kenny and I have now with all this history, um, not between us, but between the, the, the stars that we both had, the concept of the match, the style, the thought of it. it it's a real, um, it's really been set up nicely 
uh, a nice layup, as they would say in basketball, to, to be a great match, a show-stealing match, add other, all other uh, uh, explanations to it that you want. Well, I, I have high expectations, very high expectations match. I look forward to calling it. I will not see it before I call it. I'm not going to cheat. Yeah. I'm not going to precondition myself. I, no matter what uh, the ratings are, how many stars it does gets or it doesn't, is irrelevant to me. I got to watch it and feel it for the first time and then give you a, a narration, you know, a narrative that's going right. to, that, sure. that my, my lyrics got to match your music. Pretty much. Exactly right. Right? So, uh, <laughs> hey, uh, Chris, you think that your career being from uh, Winnipeg, which is a large city, but it's not a metropolis, it's home of the legendary oh. Blue Bombers, we know that. <laughs> so, uh, but you think you think your career, your notoriety, your success influenced uh, Kenny Omega? I think so. I mean, um, working with all those guys like, you know, Kevin Owens and Sandy Zane and Rollins and Reigns and, um, you know, Neville and all those guys that I was in the ring with, you realize after a while that they're all fans of mine uh, because they all basically grew up watching me. All those guys are in their early 30s, late 20s. And if you're a wrestling fan, I mean, that was, you know, one of the golden eras was the attitude era, as you know, from 99 to 2005 or whatever it may be, 2008, 2009, even with the Michael stuff. So I think that these guys were big fans of mine, but we you work together and then you kind of just become peers. And I think Kenny, A, being in the business, the age that he is, and obviously Kenny Winnipeg, he would probably have been influenced by me in one way, shape, or form, even by the fact that I went worldwide for six years before I ever stepped into Ted Turner's ring in another three years. It took me nine years to get to WWE, you know, and... I wouldn't change that for anything because I got a chance to really learn on a worldwide basis. So I think all those guys that are kind of in that position that are making that decision to not rush it to the WWE would have to be influenced in some way by myself and Eddie Guerrero and, and Benoit and, and Dean and Ray and all those guys that were around, uh, you know, Ultimo Dragon that were touring the world before we even got to the States. So um, I've never asked Kenny about it, but I would I would have to assume. Well, the same town, uh, I'm just, yeah, the same community. Yeah, uh, sure. Winnipeg's Winnipeg, uh, so uh, and I would think yeah. that uh, a lot of kids now in Winnipeg that are want to be wrestlers are looking at you and Kenny Omega. Before there was Kenny Omega, yeah. there's always you. You've been there for doing all due respect in a long time, like you said. Well, it's funny know. to me too. And, and I'll say this, and it's something that Don Callis brought up on his podcast. And I think he's right. Everyone talks about Calgary being um, kind of the mecca of Canadian wrestling. I would beg to differ. I would go more with Winnipeg because can you think of a better trio in the history of the business that comes from one town and a small one than, than Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, and Roddy Piper? Okay, because mm. Piper's a Winnipegger too, and people forget that. Yeah, I know. You know, you go to Calgary. Who's better? I'd say Bret Hart and Owen Hart. You can throw Davy Boy Smith in there, maybe, but is that trio better than than Piper, Jericho, and Omega? You know, that, so I would say that Winnipeg is the big is is, is the more famous uh, wrestling. Um, not more famous. Calgary's obviously more famous, but as far as the, the three of the, of the best prospects, mm-hmm. I'll take R three versus any two from Calgary or Toronto or Vancouver any day. I can feel Stu right now turning over this great. I'd like to get that smart <laughs> ass in the dungeon. Uh, well, uh, yeah, at least it's changing. So <laughs> I uh, have enjoyed our conversation. Remember, folks, 
It's uh, ChrisJerichoCruise.com. Look at the site. Look at all the names, all the pictures, all the activities. You come join us. You'll be entertained. You'll have memories that will last you forever. And once you get on board, you're done. As my daddy would say on Thanksgiving, as he walked into the kitchen with all that food on the table, son, it's pitch till you win. <laughs> pitch till you win. Okay, Dad. Whatever the hell that meant, I'm going for it. That means eat, your, eat, eat till you're sick. So uh, anyway, it should be fun. Yeah. That time of the year where we're going, Chris, the weather's got to be beautiful. Yeah, we're going from Miami to the Bahamas. So uh, it's going to be great. And like you said, too, even even more, you literally can pitch to you because the food is all inclusive, too. So the only thing you have to buy is uh, alcohol and gambling. So you and I might be broke by the end of the cruise. Well, yeah. But uh, if, you, if you're like king and don't drink, you don't have to pay a damn dime for anything. Yeah, with what I'm being paid, I'll go to, uh, go to uh, club liquor, not the good stuff. No Crown Royal for me, buddy. <laughs> I'll take that brown stuff there and it looks like a Snapple. <laughs> no, was, I'll buy you one. Yeah, I'll buy you a Crown Royal. Okay. <laughs> hey, uh, I'm really I'm excited about that. I'm excited about your match with Kenny Omega, and I'm honored that in this process, you know, I'm going to renew my contract with Access TV uh, to, for right. another year in 2018, uh, and that was worked out very easily with Vince and uh, the company. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's huge, too, that Vince would let you do that. It's a nice payday. I like the people I work with. I get to keep my skills sharp. I enjoy watching that style. I enjoy those talents. I like the young bucks. I like all those kids. I admire that they yeah. have this entrepreneurial skill and a set of balls to go out there and buy yeah. their, do their T-shirt deals. And they're damn good entrepreneurs. And, you know, Chris, back in the day, as Tony Gurry would say at catering, back in the day, in the territories, you saw that all the time. Guys, would, I remember mm-hmm. that the Kentuckians – and the assassins went to territory to territory together. And they'd, they'd walk right, in, right, right, right. Tell, the, tell the booker, here's uh, first week one's this, and week two's this. And then by week six, the people want to see us kill each other, and then we have an angle, blah, 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 blah. They had all laid out. So it's a dream deal. But they were entrepreneurs. They'd go to a territory that was on its ass, that was ready to be burst open, and they would bust it open and make a lot of money. And they did that in several territories. So I like what these kids are doing. I think it's smart to get out there and market themselves if they don't do it at this stage of their career, who the hell will? Nobody. Well, and that's what I always say to, to all these guys, is that, is that the WWE isn't going anywhere. It's going to be there for, for forever, um, you know, for as long as their careers last. So go and, and, and learn not just wrestling lessons, but life lessons. Get over huge. The more you get over outside of the company, the more valuable you are to the company when you finally arrive. And it is the same way as when I came to the WWE in 99, when all the guys who followed us, like there was legitimate stars worldwide that weren't working for Vince. So when you finally came, there was some real buzz. I mean, there would, never would have been as much of a buzz for, for me when I when I showed up in Chicago in August of '99 if I hadn't spent three years working for for uh, WCW. And, and and now with the world being the way it is, when you work for Ring of Honor in New Japan, those guys have those deals where they go both back and forth. That's just as big as WCW in a lot of ways. And then obviously the television views aren't the same, but but the YouTube views are. The word of mouth is. So it's kind of a modern day version of what was going on in the late nineties, early two thousand. It's great for the guys. It's great for the business, and it's great for WWE. And I think Vince and and, and knows that, which is why. He was cool with me doing this match, and he's cool with you doing the New Japan Absolutely. thing. It's like I think deep down inside, 
Vince loves wrestling, you know, and he loves WWE wrestling, but he knows, guess what? It doesn't matter what you do, JR. It doesn't matter what Chris Jericho does. We're WWE guys. It's what we are. So the more that they can see us outside of that, the more it promotes his brand. When I'm on the sideline of a University of Oklahoma football game in my black hat, okay, and it's, it's been done time and time again, when I'm identified, either, either graphically or just verbally or both, it's always there's WWE uh, Hall of Famer. Yep. Jim Ross or good old Jay, whatever. Yep. But it's always in that identification is one said letter is always, always there. WWE. Yeah. So it's stretch and it's credibility and it's brand building and it's awareness. And those young kids are just smart. To, hey, I wonder when some of their peers are going to wake up and say, hey, I got to get my act together. I'm leaving damn money behind because yeah. I'm not doing shit to earn extra cash. You want mailbox money, well, don't you? It's scary, though, you know, when you work for the biggest company in the world. I always say, like, you know, for the guys that are in WWE that maybe aren't, have anything going on, it's, it's, like, it's like jumping off the side of a building and someone tells you there's a big safety net below, but you can't see it. It's a real risk to, to, to leave the WWE. But if you do it right, it could happen with Cody. Cody's value now is a million times more than it was when he was in the WWE a couple of years ago. And I think there's some other guys in the company that could benefit from that as well. Mm. But it's hard. It's a, it's a hard chance to take. And, and money's great and all that sort of stuff. But you know what, man? The way I always looked at it is like, I can always make more money. I can always make more money, but I can't get younger. <laughs> and I can't, you know, if, if there's, for example, with, with, with the Kenny Omega opportunity, if, if this doesn't work out, it's not going to happen next year. It's done. This is the one chance. So I got to do it. And if some people get mad at me along the way, well, who cares? Yeah. You know, what's the worst they can do? Not pay me anymore or not give me a job? I'll find other jobs. But for, for, for this one moment, like what a cool idea and what a cool concept. It, it makes me uh, more of a wrestling fan too because if I went back to the WWE tomorrow, I know where I would be going. I know what I'd be doing. This is different. This is a whole different thing. This is like Brock Lesnar level stuff. It's just this guy coming out of nowhere and, you know, taking this quote-unquote spot mm -hmm. uh, in the main event of the Tokyo Dome that maybe other guys think is entitled to. Well, guess what? No one's entitled to anything. It's business. And whatever the most business and the most money and the most eyeballs you can put on your product, that's what the wrestling business is about. And I've learned that after working with all you guys for the last 17 years. You know, And that, that to me, is, is another step in the evolution of my career in understanding it's not about the bump story, but about the big match perception of, of what you can do on your show. I'm with you. You're preaching to the choir, but I love to hear it. Yeah. It's all factual. And Vince is very perceptive. You know, the things that we're, we're able to do to bring a few extra shekels to the household is not hurting anybody. As a matter of fact, it's helping everybody that's, that's involved in the process. I was going to ask you another question here. How hard is it going to be to, for me to get a Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons t-shirt? Oh, easy. Phil one man. <laughs> Remember Phil? He, he, he was in Motorhead for years. I uh, played with Flamania every time Triple H yeah. was at Motorhead. So, so, I, yeah. I, I remember those guys, but the I just kind of need the Bastard Sons part of it. Really, uh, I like I like the name, man. It's, that's good marketing right there. Hey, I see SoCal Val's going to be the uh, cruise director. She's the ultimate host of something, without a doubt. That's why I wanted her. You know, it's like I didn't just want. Uh, you know, just any girl. I know she's a great host. I've seen her do some stuff. And I wanted somebody to kind of, 
when I first put together the, the lineup, there was, there was like, there was a lot of guys on it. I'm like, that's great, but I want some girls on there too. And she's perfect for it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what a, what a great idea that they cast cruise director. And obviously, thinking of Julie from Love Boat, I don't even know what a cruise director really does. I don't either. I, I'm just thinking I, of... I remember Julie, though. <laughs> I saw that little graphic. You know, me being depicted as Isaac. <laughs> How funny was that? It's total bullshit. Let me tell you that right now. <laughs> I Somebody says, hey, JR, you look good in Afro. Yeah, that's going to happen. <laughs> Forget it. But you I, know something you say that? You know, so they had you be the bartender, though. It's, it's just very apropos. Apropos, I, I got that. I got that. Uh, I got that sort of uh, imagery. This yeah. is going to be fun. You got uh, is Raven? Raven's going to be joining us. Wow. Raven's going to be there. Wow. I mean, gosh, I mean, it's so crazy. Like there's it. a lot of guys from. Yeah, there's a lot of guys from from my, my podcast network. So I want to do some live podcasts, and Raven does stand up comedy now, and Nick does stand up comedy, and. Then I got Ron Funches on board. He's one of the biggest comics in the world today and a huge fan. Jim Brewer, Brad Williams. So I wanted a big comedy element on the ship, too, because I, 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 there's a lot of people that say, well, you know, I, I, I want to go, but my wife doesn't like wrestling. It's like, there's so much other oh, yeah. stuff. Does she like music? Does she like comedy? And all that sort of stuff. And just kind of make it. Does she like free what, food? What talk is food? What's that? Does she like food and great food yeah. and, and sunshine and massages and all that stuff? I do. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I, I just, I wanted to make it more, what is Chris Gianco interested in? And if anybody ever listens to my podcast, they know it's music and comedy, uh, paranormal. I got the guys from Beyond the Darkness, which is the biggest paranormal show in the world. They're going to come do some, some, you know, tell some stories and that sort of just stuff that like if I was on a cruise, what would I like? You know, and, and that's kind of where I got the idea for all this kind of a little bit of a diverse lineup. And obviously, like I said, I wanted the Hall of Famers like yourself and, and King. And I wanted, you know, Mick to come and Raven to come and have some fun with what they do outside of wrestling, which is the comedy, which is what they do. And have, you know, like like Conan's podcast versus Don Callis' podcast. They always work at angles against you. Let's do a live debate between <laughs> the two of them. Yeah, that'd be good. You know, let's do, do that. Let's do a town hall. Let's do a town hall like with Let's do wrestlers like court. And, and something like that too. Like wrestlers court. I'll be and I'll, hey, look, <laughs> I'll volunteer to be the judge. I'm old enough. <laughs> I'm smart enough and darn it, Chris, people like me. <laughs> and you're the only guy that could get away with the place that you can take. I would look judge. like I could wear, yeah, well, come on. Uh, I could wear my hat, though, and be good old JR, the hanging judge, as as in Judge Roy, Roy Bean or somebody. This is going to be so much fun. You're going to be able to book your own toy chest. You get your own amusement park. You're Walt freaking Disney. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing. I realized about two or three years ago that I don't like really having a boss. It's more fun just to kind of roam the world doing what you want to do. <laughs> And um, that's kind of where I'm going with it. And like I said, the cruise, it's, it's, a big, it's a big undertaking. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not like there's millions of dollars to be made in this. But it, once again, it's not about the, the money to make. It's about putting on a really cool event yep. um, because I can. And, you know, if, if it makes the money, great. If it doesn't, well, you know, that's always a drag. But as long as people have a good time and I can start building something to maybe where it becomes an annual destination vacation, um, you know, there's people that go on the Kiss Cruise every year, seven years in a row they've gone. And I think I can get that going with, with, with this. You know what I mean? And, um, like I said, there's a lot of risk behind it, but 
I'm I'm up for the challenge. There's a lot of risk trying to get into the wrestling business too, and trying to get into a rock and roll band too. So I figured I'd give it a shot. And then when I see the the the, the amount of people that have signed up a year in advance, like that's a long time away. A yeah. year in advance, mm-hmm. you know, there's, it's there's, amazing. There's, there's a lot of a lot of people that have signed up already. So it's cool to see that people kind of get into me and want to you know money. I'm going to make it worth their while. That's why I was saying everything. If you can, if you can scrape enough cash to get on board this thing, we'll do the rest. Yeah, that's great. And you'll have you'll have the time of your life. I guarantee. Safe travels over there, and uh, keep your voice. Are you? You don't even you don't smoke though, right? You smoke a cigar? Oh, hell no. So yeah, no. So your voice nothing. stays strong, right? It, stay, it does stay strong. That helps it stay strong. Well, I'm fortunate that I have a strong voice because we do six shows in a row, which is not easy. Uh, you'll never see, you know, the Stones doing six shows in a row. Um, but that's just part of it. There's, there's the whole financial side of you know, tour, too, is the more days off we have, the crew still has to get paid, the bus still, you know, has to be paid, and all that sort of stuff. So six shows a week is good. This is my day off, and I actually feel great. So um, I'll be ready to go tomorrow. I bet you will, buddy. I want to get back with you after the first of the year sometime, and just periodically to kind of let us know how the cruise is going. I, I personally want it to do well, do, and uh, don't accept anything less than a sellout. Everything's fair price, folks. You're going to have a great time, and you might even get to see JR well, tan. <laughs> <laughs> but if you guys are thinking about it, like I said, some of the, the, the uh, lesser price cabins are already sold out, some of the decks and the interiors. And you can see that when you go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com, when you click on pricing and availability. If there's a line drawn through the, through the price, that means that it's sold out. So um, if you're thinking about it and you want to try and get kind of one of the the more economical cabins, you should do it sooner than later. Um, and also, too, the first four cabins that book, you get a special Q&A with me. And if you book before it's the hour you get a picture of me with the list. Everyone wants to go on the list, Chad. I'm going to ask, <laughs> can you put me on the list? Can you put me on the list? It's like, No. I can't put you on a list. You didn't do anything. But now you can get a picture of the damn list and you can put your own name on it. There you that go. sounds good. Yeah, man. That's, a, <laughs> that's, a, that's marketing. You get value added. It's yeah. something you can't get anywhere else. There'll be many that's of them. Right. By the way, you're going to be able to get a lot of those unique moments on this cruise. That's you, right. you, you just couldn't get at a fan convention or a comic con or a well, whatever con. Nope. You know, just, it's just a different environment. Yeah. So, well, look, Chris, surprise yourself and get some sleep, please. And, uh, <laughs> and I really appreciate your time. You're the first guest I've ever had on the show from Austria. Uh, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> big night here for us. We're, we're going to have a little, have a little celebration later. I heard, are you talking to Big Dave tonight, too? I talked to Big Dave last <laughs> week, and I got two shows oh, I got two shows out of him. He's going to be on he's the show. Great, with, he's going to be on part one of him is going to be on the show with you and uh, later on. And then uh, part two with him, will be he'll be on next week with Jerry Lawler. He's a, he's a great guest, man. I've had him on a few times, and uh, oh, terrific. he's always fun to talk to. So oh. good, good guy. Yeah, good, good dude. One of, my fa- one of my favorites in the business, which is uh, a rare thing to say. <laughs> I love the conversation. It's so far exceeded my expectations about his range, his sensitivity. He got emotional talking about my wife getting killed. I mean, I get emotional about it, too, but these guys, well, you remember, I remember J.R., you told me this, this one time. You said, you know, all your money's going to be made right here in your face, and I all that was true, and I brought it with me. He said, but yeah. your wife was really nice. You know, she'd go to the WrestleManias or whatever and see Jan around. Uh, she was just friendly. She was like the house mother. So 
She just agreed, yeah, and, he, and he was very emotional absolutely. talking about it. So anyway, let's reconvene, as, or as Barry Bloom would say, let's reconnoiter at a later time. <laughs> <laughs> and we can kibitz. You ca- oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it goes without saying, kibitz is on the table. All right, buddy. Yeah. Hey, have a, have a successful, have a great tour. Uh, keep knocking them dead out there. If there's anything I can do for you, you know how to reach me. Vice versa, man. Thank you. Always a pleasure, Jim. Thank you so much. Take care. Great stuff from Chris Jericho. Man, this guy's busy, huh? Yes, he is busier than a fruit merchant. I'll give you that meaning someday. But, man, uh, we got a lot more shows still to come. And we'll be keeping you, by the way, we will keep you updated on the cruise. ChrisJerichoCruise.com has all the info. It's a hell of a deal, really. I ain't going to dog in that hunt. I'm getting paid to go. I ain't sharing the bottom line here. The talents that's there, there's so many talents. Chris is smart. The talents that are going to be on this cruise, as I see them, are very fan-friendly. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. What also is going to be a lot of fun is uh, my conversation, part one of my conversation with Dave Batista. Been trying to get Dave on for, dang, a year. This guy's a movie star, man. He is big-time busy. But we'll talk to Dave Batista right after we thank one of the sponsors who makes this podcast possible. You know who they are. My buddies at True Car. Well, when you're looking to buy a car, folks, it's important that you're getting real pricing on actual inventory. Now, you might think, well, hell, that makes sense, JR. Sure it does. But it's not always the case. Often enough, it's just not the case as people configure cars online only later to find out they're not available. I don't understand that. I don't know how how car dealers could do that bait and switch stuff. It ain't good. But with TrueCar, you get real pricing on actual inventory. Novel concept. This is not pricing from TrueCar, by the way, but from an actual dealer, and even more so, a local certified dealer of your choosing that is committed to, to offering you a competitive market price for that vehicle. True car users are more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with True Car certified dealers. And by the way, there are over 13,000 of them nationwide. I'm nationwide with True Car certified dealers. That's a lot of folks. So when you're ready to buy, when you're when you're really ready to buy, you know, if you're tired of messing around, simply visit True Car, ladies and gentlemen, to enjoy a more confident and intelligent car buying experience. What say you, Dean? Well, I say I'm thirsty, and that some features are simply uh-uh, not available in all states. Pro wrestling fans, join me four days a week on the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast, where we cover Raw, SmackDown, the hot topics in pro wrestling, and interviews with stars on camera and people who work behind the scenes, such as ex-creative team members. New shows drop every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and you can hear me and co-hosts cover professional wrestling like no one else. With 30 years of experience, I cover pro wrestling with an independent voice, unaffiliated with any wrestling company. Recent guests have included Jim Ross, Ted DiBiase, Jack Swagger, Lillian Garcia, Sean Mooney, Stan Hansen, and more. Find my show at Apple Podcasts, just search Wade Keller, or on the Podcast One app. Well, folks, before we get to the first part of what I think you'll find, as I have, a captivating interview with Dave Batista, I just want to remind you guys that if you can, please hit that subscribe button at Apple Podcasts. It don't cost you a dime. 
take you a couple of minutes to do. That's it. And that way you never miss an episode of our show. You know, new episodes are automatically then downloaded, delivered into your phone or tablet as you request, as soon as they're released on Tuesday nights at nine o'clock Eastern, six o'clock Pacific time. You leave us a five-star rating, go to Apple podcasts and subscribe to the Ross report for free. The ratings are good. Star ratings are great. It all helps us. And we appreciate that. This is the Ross report. Been looking forward to this for a long time. He's on the line. Dave Batista. Hey, JR. How you doing, buddy? Good, man. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good, man. Sorry it took so long to get this done, man. That's <laughs> all right. It's all right. I try to keep up with you, but you're a hard guy to follow. Man, I'm I'm having a hard time keeping up with myself. <laughs> I'm so run down. I can't. I couldn't even explain. But you know, it's probably age and a few old injuries. And <laughs> but the great thing about being in an actor is that uh, it's it's really great when people want you to want to use you. Yeah, no, it's it's really great because they you know they just come. It's 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 much more more of a you know it's a less uh, of a political business. It's, uh, you know, they want you or they don't. You yeah. know, so once you're there, you're signed on. You know, you're wanted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you do your job. You yeah. know, if, if you're, if there's no there's no mind games. If they're pleased with you, they tell you. If, you, if you're not pleased with you, you, just do it again until they're pleased with you. You think you found your niche in the uh, in the action adventure world because you you're very successful in that. That you know, your Drax is a yeah. you know, that's a big thing. I mean, it's. It's yeah. It's you know that. Well, here's the thing, man. It's it's weird. It's, it's and it's a good place to be. And this is not a complaint at all. But you know that that type of stuff really you know, affords me the the opportunity to do this stuff that I really love because my real strength is actually in, in dramatic acting, uh, which was I haven't gotten a, a whole lot of opportunities to do. But that's what I'm pursuing. It's just sometimes it's hard when you know when you look like I do, when you're built like I am, to really get those kind of juicy dramatic roles. But uh, you know that's actually what what I really love to do. But I do like to. Venture out and do some comedy but the action stuff is is I, I don't think it's my strength at all but it's been paying the bills right it definitely paying the bills dear <laughs> <laughs> um, that's why that's why i, I preface that with it. it's it's not a complaint i am not at all complaining but it really does it just it allows me to go off and do other stuff like smaller stuff where i don't always feel like i have to to make a whole lot of money and also people that you know, are producing these films don't feel like they, uh, you know, they have to pay me a lot of money because bigger productions are paying me a lot of money. Um, so, you know, it's really, a, it's a great place to be, man. I'm really, I'm really fortunate. Are you spending most of your time, uh, I know I called you, you're in Florida now, right? Yes, sir. Are you able to spend much time in Florida? Um, you know, not so much. And it's just because I've been working, you know, I've been traveling a lot this year has been rough. Um, and even with, you know, I've been really lucky because the first Guardians we actually did in London, which took me away from home for about seven months. And, uh, you know, it, it was rough. It was really rough. It wasn't something I was prepared for because it was one of those things where I was always away when I was wrestling, but I was also coming home, you know, at least every once every two weeks or so. I would, you know, I'd go out on the road, I'd come home, I'd sleep in my bed, I'd go out back out and come home. And this is when I'm, you know, for films, I'm just away for extended periods. Uh, but no, I haven't spent a whole lot of time uh, at home this year. But it's uh, you know it's a good and a bad problem. Uh, when, most mostly good. When you're yeah, no kidding. When you're doing promos in mm-hmm. WWE, but I I don't remember you being a promo from memory guy. No, no, I I was you know it's, it's weird. It's 
And it really, I really only started to come into my own as far as promos at the very tail end of my career. And the reason was because that was the time when they just, they trusted me to go out and just, uh, you know, they'd give me bullet, bullet points and then the rest I do, you know, very conversational because I've just, you know, I can't remember. I mean, I can't remember what I did 10 seconds ago. No, I'm with you. That's why I was... Give me a, yeah, I just, I can't remember. If a promo was written for me, I just, I can't remember it. And all I would think about out there is is trying not to forget. And it would just, I would freeze up and it would just make things horrible. I want to get back to the uh, today's promos during this conversation. But I wanted to ask you that I have done very little movie television work outside my, my world. Mm-hmm. But that that I did, I fixated and almost got, oh, God, I don't know, Dave. I don't know. The, I got so uneasy. I almost had an anxiety attack over remembering my lines because, yeah. you know, I never did. I didn't do lines on Monday Night Raw. Right, right. I saw what you guys were doing, and I tried to put a narrative to it. Right, which was which was great, which which is why you're great because you were able to. It's, it's weird, man, and it's, try to, it's hard to explain to somebody, but when I tell somebody, that you know the people that are in the professional wrestling business who are really good are the people who who react, the people who go out, don't go out there and don't follow a formula, don't really follow a plan. They just react, and that's you know that's one of those things that's I think it's an instinctive thing, and some people have it, yep. and some people don't. Mm-hmm. You know, some people can develop it, and some people never will. Yeah, and you did. You were just good at reacting. You watch, you see, you react, you listen to the crowd, you feed off the energy, and that's those are the people who are set apart. Those are the people that are great. Well, I appreciate that. You know, you got to process a lot of information in that chair. Yeah. And a lot of variables go into the, your little bitty computer yeah. and that you got to spit <laughs> back this narrative. You know, I've always said, and I've said it here a million times on the show, you know, you guys, meaning the talent, mm-hmm. make music. You make a, a music that I could feel. Right. And then I, being a voice of your music, have to provide a ad- adequate lyric. And that's that's the thing, and that's what you know. That's what a lot of people don't get, and I think uh, you know that's one thing I always got from very early on in my career is that you know wrestling is storytelling. Uh, I remember you saying that. I remember I'll never forget you saying you know you put making a square uh, around your face, and you saying that that this is where you make your money. Yeah. And I, I always looked at it like that, and I always use announcers. Uh, as much as I, I could to help me tell what type of story I was telling because I didn't have the voice. I was only doing the physicality part. Yeah. So I would always check in with my announcers, uh, with you, uh, Bradshaw, anybody I could, uh, Michael Cole, just to say, this is the story I'm trying to tell, man. If you can help me yeah. get this point across, it will really help me out. And this is, you know, this is a phrase I stole from you from way back in the OVW, and I used it throughout my career, and this was always my thought process, and that is, suspend your disbelief yeah <laughs> and i believed in that deeply and i and that was one of those things where i you know sometimes i i was physically capable of doing things that you know that that you know that i didn't do and the reason why is because they they just look fake they look phony and to me when you did stuff like that you did stuff that was just kind of fake and phony it took people it took people out of it and so i, I like to really I, I lived by that. Suspend your disbelief. Always get the crowd to suspend their disbelief. And sometimes it might take them a while. And that's when, you know, when you use that term, suck them in, get them emotionally invested. Right. But that's what it is. It's getting, it's making them suspend their disbelief. And that's what wrestling is. You mentioned the OVW. 
Uh, you know, we had a class. We had one recruiting class. So you, uh, Cena, right. Lesnar, yeah. <laughs> Orton. Uh, Orton, and but, Shelton. Shelton, yeah. And I tell, I, I tell this story in my stage show. It's a class of, of Hall of Fame guys. Yeah. And I'm so blessed that I had a chance in my role to help them kind of get their bearings, get squared away, yeah. and begin their journey. Yeah, it was, and a hell of a journey. And, yeah. And, yeah, I'm pretty thankful that you were, were there helping us along. And you know what? You know what's weird is because I look back, and I'm real proud to be a part of that class. And then I think that, you know, since that first class, it just, they haven't been able to duplicate duplicate that. <laughs> Try as they may, but there was just, you know, I don't know if it was all all the stars aligned, but there was something very special about that first class of OVW. Oh, man, you're not lying. Were you ready for that? change in lifestyle moving to louisville or, or when you at that because you weren't 19 years old you you right. you, you had some mileage on you yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a nice way to put it thank you well um, I, mean, you, I did you, have i had a lot of mileage on me actually and people you know they did i think you know there was a there was a few people that believed in me and i think there was a few people that you just didn't know what the hell to make of me um and i you know sometimes i didn't know what the hell to make of myself but this was one of those things where, you know, I tell people that I got into wrestling for all the wrong reasons. You know, I was I was desperate, man. I was going on 30, and I, I didn't have a dime to my name, and I didn't just didn't know what to do with myself. But I was somewhat of an athlete. I had somewhat of a look. Uh, I had somewhat of, you know, uh, athletic capability. So, I you know, I gave it a shot. And then once I did, I just fell in love with it. I was, you know, obsessed with it. But... You know, oftentimes I just kind of found myself lost. I didn't know what to do with myself, who to be. It was like one big puzzle I was trying to figure out. But no, I wasn't. Even when I was moved up on the WWE, I, I wasn't ready. I, You know, it took me a long time to figure out things. I just kind of, you know, just kept putting my, my, my best foot forward and, and trying to put, you know, show people that I was working hard, that I, that I really wanted it, but still trying to figure out that puzzle with me being, you know, very much an introvert. It just it wasn't easy. I mean, a lot of times people took me the wrong way. Uh, so, yeah, no, it definitely wasn't easy, and I, I have to be the first to say I wasn't ready. I remember somebody saying, J.R., what's the deal with this Batista guy? <laughs> I said, what do you mean? Uh, he said, well, he's, he's, he don't like anybody. He don't say nothing. He's just... I said, I said, well, you get to know him. He's a nice guy. I said, but, but here's the other deal. Yeah, wrestling look, it, look it, at, it look forced at, me out of my shell. Yeah, look at this big ass. Yeah. He's going to make us all some money here one of these days <laughs> if we help him. Yeah. Really, that's the whole deal about the business. And sometimes I wonder how much pushback some of the talents get in today's locker room. Mm. Because back in the before that, generations before that, it was pretty obvious if you saw somebody that looked like you, had mm. your athletic ability, had that magnetism, the charisma thing going, that all that other stuff could be put into place. Right. And I want to make sure it happens because I want to draw money with you. Yeah, that and that's you know that's a real old school mentality, man. That's just, I mean that's the way of looking at it as a as a business. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and thank God because I you know I had more than my share of mistakes, but I had you know I kind of learned along the way too that who believed in me and and who didn't. You know there were those people who every time I did I did mess up. Instead of, you know, bitching me out and scolding me and just giving up on me, they were there to help me, man. You need to do this or yeah. maybe this is not your strength or maybe I remember Hunter saying, pick three moves, 
pick three moves, uh, things you do very well, and do them over and over. That's, Those right. are, that's your stuff. That's your, you know, that's how you're going to make your money. That's your go-to material. Yep, that's your go-to. And as time evolves mm-hmm. and you get more comfortable, you will add something. Mm-hmm. But whatever you do, don't decide to add it on live television. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Or so it's just always, you know, you got to have your strengths and you got to know what your strengths are. And that's what, you know, that, like you said, those are your go tos. You mentioned Hunter, and he's helped mm-hmm. a lot of guys. I got to believe in his world because of being a fan all his life, mm-hmm. but growing up as a WWWF guy, right. he's, uh, he's living the life right now. Yeah. And, you know, I've worked this, uh, the NXT takeovers with him, which mm-hmm. I'd love doing because they're wrestling shows. Right. Uh, they wrestle. Right. And there's a, there's a, they wrestle and they use, Dave, they do this damnedest thing at these NXT events more often than not. They, they isolate a body part, they debilitate, they debilitate it, and they have a storyline. Right. <laughs> and, they, and they try to go for finishes without waiting until the end of the match. Right, right. Crazy, isn't it? It's really wild. <laughs> That's it? insane. Who else helped you along the way? There was a, you know, there was a lot of guys, and I, I tried to bring them in. There was, you know, a few guys, like, you know, um, behind the scenes just kind of talking to me, but... There was, I mean, guys like Arn Anderson and, and Fit Finley. I was, I give Fit a lot. Fit really changed the direction of my career. And, uh, you know. How so? Got, How so? Fit, I, you know, before, he was the first guy to really just get in there and just work with me. It just, I mean, just literally get in, you know, no plan. Let's just get in the ring and let's just start working. You know, we'll start figuring out. And don't, you know, when I was so afraid of, of stiffing somebody or, you know, uh, yeah, just doing anything wrong. I was just so tense. It was like, to, you know, just loosen up, man. Just loosen up, relax. We're going to be in the moment. That's what he taught me. Fit Finley taught me how to live in the moment and not be so stressed out about everything, you know, that's uh, that I'm going to be doing 10 minutes down the road. Just live in the moment, entertain people, uh, and just just be in that moment. Get in there and just, just work your ass off. And Fit was the only guy. Fit was the guy who actually spent days with me, like on his own personal time, just kind of mm-hmm. just working with me, just hanging out, just working with me, talking with me, not worrying about. You know, he would always say, you know, if I stiffed him, I'd feel I'd feel horrible. I say, you know, I'd say, Fit, I'm sorry. He goes, Oh, don't be sorry. I'm going to stiff you right back in a few minutes. <laughs> That's the old school way, man. That's it. Yeah, and it was just that. It was just no no pressure, man. Yeah. I didn't put all that pressure on myself. But like Arn Anderson. Uh, he was just brilliant at just making things real simple for me. Just, yeah. you know, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't all about big moves. I was about simple things. I was about like you started calling me the animal because my style was like it was. I would maul people. That's what I was good at, just mauling people. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty and he, Yeah, and Arn would always pick out things. It was like if you do something simple, like kick somebody in the knee, everybody, everybody can relate to that. You know, you kick in the knee, you know that's going to get hurt. You know that's going to hurt. But simple things like that, just simple like ring psychology. And then also, I mean, you know, I, I spent a lot of my years uh, driving up and down the roads with, with Rick. And Rick, every night I would pick his brain and pick his brain pick his brain. And not once did he ever say, stop asking me questions. <laughs> if I had a question, he had an answer. Yeah, so. That's great. And, and he, Ricky could be too giving mm-hmm. at times. And I would say that I could probably go back and look at some old matches and pick mm-hmm. out several of them that he gave guys more than they he needed to. Right. That's just right. him. And but that shows his, he's a generous guy. Right. You know, he's just a phenomenal. I'm glad he's alive, man. He, what a hell of a scare he had, you know. And yeah. I, I didn't realize until I got real accurate information from inside the camp mm. that he had a 20 percent chance to survive this damn thing. That's just crazy. Yeah. 20 percent. 
Oh, he's making a hell of a comeback. Yeah, he is. I was going to ask you, what role did Taker have in your in your run? He had, you know, it was weird because I really there were time I by the time I came into uh, my first run with Take, um, you know, like going into WrestleMania um, twenty three, I believe it was. He was uh, I was really starting to come into my own, and I think that that match we had at WrestleMania was when I actually felt. Like I had really come into my own, like I could carry my own weight. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like people were carrying me uh, through matches anymore, building me. It was that time where I could actually start to build other guys. That's where that was that time when I felt like you know the company's investment investment in me had you know, had paid off. Yeah, I was going to start really making some money for him, like serious money for him. <laughs> and you did, and you did, and I remember that WrestleMania 23 was significant for many reasons. That was the uh, 2007. And I remember what my little wife, Jan, was wearing. And she, I mean, Lawler and I went into the Hall of Fame together. Separate inductions in 2007. Dusty Rhodes was the headliner. They said, JR, you're going to open the show. Okay, so I'll show you. I'll get Steve Austin to be my inductor. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, know, you know, Austin's another guy. He was a... Uh... Austin was Austin was one of the, I didn't get to work with him much. I worked with him a tiny little bit, but Austin was always that guy who was was giving me advice backstage. Mm-hmm. And mostly, I remember uh, real clear. He actually gave me some some great advice too when I was leaving the company. But he gave me some advice. You know, we were doing this promo, and he got real close to me, and uh, and we started talking to him. And he goes, "Feels uncomfortable, doesn't it?" I said, "Yeah." He goes, "It should." <laughs> And he said, you know, because it's one of those things, if it feels uncomfortable to you, and it feels uncomfortable to everybody else, and what it's, what it's doing then is just sucking everybody in. Yeah. You know, and, and I, never, I never forgot that, man. Yeah, he's, Steve had such a fundamentally sound approach mm-hmm. from the mental aspect to, to pro wrestling. Yeah. He, he had the fundamentals covered. There's, I tell you, of course, I'm not advocating this now, but back in the day, as Tony Greer used to say in catering, back in the day, uh, I uh, the sheep were afraid of me. The I would say, uh, <laughs> back in the day, Austin would have been a great booker in a territory uh, day because he could go in and be their top guy and get the book. Right. And a lot of owners, promoters, territory owners would say, you're damn right. I'll give you the book and give you your five points off the top. Right. And work main events, and you're the booker. And he would have been good at it too, I think. Really good. Absolutely. At it. Yeah, absolutely. He just, he just, you know, he he just knew the business in and out. He, he just that's one of those things where I don't, you know, I don't know if it's a gift or something you develop, but he just had that special gift. Uh, you know, he just had that special that talent. Yeah, he he, he connected with the audience very he organically. He, uh, here's what I like about the, what I like. It's not a like. I think it's funny. I think it's funny. I've told this story uh, or this analogy that I believe to be accurate, but it's just uh, it's just theory, and that is I believe Donald Trump stole Stone Cold's baseball cap wearing idea <laughs> to make himself be dressed down a little bit in those you know twenty grand suits, <laughs> so he could co- he could actually be the guy that was going to Washington to right. clean out the swamp. And so make America great again. He, and he's wearing a, he's wearing a custom made suit, Dave, and a ball cap. That's that's Stone Cold in that man somewhere. Yeah. Well, he's you know he's he's basically a, a professional wrestler. You know, who <laughs> someone got elected president. <laughs> I think he's you know he stole more from the WWE than just a baseball cap off of Austin's head. He was a very high priced gimmick wrestler. Mm. <laughs>
<laughs> he only did gimmick matches, Dave. Just, I just did gimmick matches. I'm sorry, I can't do a regular match. Just gimmick yeah. matches. At any event, that 23 was that. That was a big card at Ford Field, and I remember we sold more tickets, which we should have. We sold more tickets though that they had the Super Bowl there that year, right. and we outdrew the Super Bowl for our WrestleMania 23, where the Battle of the Billionaires ensued. Right. What were the boys thinking? I mean, did, was there Snickers or? Hey, look, we're going to have a big pay-per-view buy rate, or what did the majority of your peers think about that angle? It's, you know, it's it's weird. I, I, I didn't really talk to anybody about that, and I think it's just because, uh, for one, I was so focused on our match. I mean, it was, I was really in a zone at that time, but also I was I was really upset. And, you know, I've, and I've said this before, um, and I say it with no shame. I was really upset that we weren't uh, the main event because I, I just felt like we should have been. We deserved to be. Uh, we had we set some milestones in that, and you know I knew with the, you know with the exchange of title, uh, the title and everything, it was just more significant of a match. And I also felt like Take just deserved uh, for that to be the main event. We should have gone on last. Mm-hmm. And I was so I had a bit of of a chip on my shoulder. Well, what really, did go on last? I don't even remember. Was it? It was it was Cena Sean, I believe. Oh, okay. And I just didn't, you know, I I felt like we got robbed of that top spot, and and. And we should have had it. And I felt like our match, you know, was, uh, you know, I think it speaks for itself. I think we had the match of the night. And uh, I just felt like Taker should have been the last thing that people saw that night. And so I was, I had a chip on my shoulder and I was a little bit bent out of shape that we didn't. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't care. I didn't, I didn't give hell what anybody else was doing. That's what I was. Right. I, guess, <laughs> no, I, I was well, But, you know, Dave, you had to get there in that mindset to do what you did. Yeah. You had to stay where you, you had to stay in that chip on your shoulder vein, athletes have to do what they have to do to motivate themselves right. under the circumstances. Right. Because here's the deal, bud. Me, you, anybody other than Vince can't change the lineup. Right, right. I'm not so sure that you'd have gotten a lot of pushback on what should have closed the show. Right. Now, and that, that, that takes nothing away from Sean and, and Cena. Right. But, you know, you're right about the, the title and, mm. and Undertaker at WrestleMania. That's what I mean. See, that, that was, was just a special night. You know, it was the first time he'd held that particular title. And uh, I, I just, you know, and I still feel like we should. But, I, again, I say our, our match speaks for itself, I believe. I believe personally that we stole the show that night. And then, I, you know, I'll just kind of leave it at that. Is that your, <laughs> is that your favorite big match that, on your resume from WWE? You know, my favorite match is at the Hell in the Cell uh, I had with, with Hunter, actually. It was a No Mercy pay-per-view, I believe. And the reason... Why I love that match, and it probably wasn't nearly as as good as the one I had with Take. It definitely wasn't as significant or as big. Um, but the reason I love this match is because I think up until the very last second, for one, we beat the hell out of each other, and that was the good old days when you were, we were bleeding everywhere. You know, we were going to war with each other, and we started off this match with people chanting, boring, boring. By the time at the end of the match, we just had everybody just sucked in, and this was match. You literally didn't know what the outcome was going to be until the very last second, which is, which is hard to get done. And I just felt like I, I felt really accomplished coming out of that match. Uh, so that's probably actually probably my favorite uh, televised match, my favorite big match, the favorite match of my career was actually a house show match I had in in Mexico with uh, with Ray. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And were you the big heel? I was, and I begged and pleaded because we weren't on the card, and I knew that I wasn't, you know, I was a short-termer in the company, 
and uh, we were in, uh, you know, torn down. I was heel at the at the time, and Ray, you know, working Ray as a heel in Mexico is just a dream, anybody's dream come true. And I begged and pleaded, um, and I, <laughs> uh, with Ace to to give me this match, and I and I finally got it, and we gave him a pay per view match, man. And when I when we came back from the match, everybody was. I mean, you know, people were applauding. Like the, I'm talking about the boys. You know, they were applauding us. Like we, we turned a paper or a house show into a pay per view, and we just gave them everything. I mean, everything, all the bells and whistles. It's got to be a special feeling to be able to still remember a house show match that stands yeah. out like that. Hey, yeah. people underestimate just how amazing Rey Mysterio has been yeah. for a long, long time. Yeah, that was you know that was one of my big issues when I went 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 back last time uh, during the Royal Rumble. Like you know, I had a real issue with people booing Rey Mysterio coming out just because he wasn't Daniel Bryan. And I get their love for Daniel Bryan, but at the same time to shit all over Rey Mysterio because he's not Daniel Bryan. Man, that just broke my heart. That broke my heart, man. Because that if if one guy doesn't deserve it, it's, it's him. Look, we can all rely and raise our hand on the, the First Amendment. And you buy your, you pay your money, you can say what you want. I, I, I'm not going to even delve into those ridiculous arguments because they're just right. so logical. Right. But common sense at some point, what's the payoff for you individually right. to, to boo Ray Mysterio? Unless you're going to try to make me believe that, right. well, we're really not booing Ray. Bullshit! You are. I hear it. You are. You are right. Yeah, but you're. But here's the deal: the booking didn't go the way you thought it should have, and maybe as it should have. Hell, I don't know. But to, to boo Ray Mysterio for no reason because you right. didn't get the booking you wanted right. is childish. Man, I mean, the, and that's what it was like. Like the whole run, it just you know the fan. It just it, it changed so much, and I you know I didn't know where the fans were at. It was just. It was a weird atmosphere, and it was a lot of, uh, you know, it was a weird, a lot of CM Punk chants after he, you know, he walked out, which I, I didn't understand. And I, and I love CM Punk, man. I, as a person, Phil Brooks, I love him, man. I love this guy. We've always gotten along. I have a lot of respect for him. But I, I didn't necessarily like the way he left the company. And I thought, you know, the fans are cheering him like they're m- martyring him. And he really just kind of walked out on him. I, I didn't. I didn't love that. Mm. And uh, so I, that was a, l- a lot of that. And Daniel Bryan chants like every segment. And I thought, man, with well, these people, if they get you know, if they had sixteen <laughs> segments of Daniel Bryan, that's going to be you know, get old real fast, man. I mean, really, just just wait for the guy. And then there was people saying, you know, Daniel Bryan's getting held down. You know, you're you're not. You know, Daniel Bryan's not getting. I was like, this this kid's living his dream. He's featured on every show. He's making millions of dollars. How in the hell is, is he being held down? I, I just, I don't, you know, we just had, you know, I had, couldn't see eye to eye with what these people were thinking, man. Just didn't seem like it made any sense to me at all. A lot of people actually believe that when we say the winners make more than the losers and uh, when we, and the champions make more money than the other guys. Hey, it's a good narrative for yahoos like me to sell. But folks, come on. Yeah. We'd be winking at you here. Yeah, I don't get it, man. The Ross Report. The Ross Report. My thanks again to Big Dave. Man, what a guy. And we'll have part two of Dave Batista here next week on the show. He has really distinguished himself in a whole new world, and he's just uh, got a great perspective on life. He's still got passion for wrestling. And you'll hear, you if you have any doubts about that, wait till you hear part two. That'll be next week. Also, I want to thank Chris Jericho for jumping on. He was in... Uh, Vienna, Austria, when we caught up with him. Looking forward to the November 2018 cruise. 
ChrisJerichoCruise.com has your info. A lot of good folks on there, including uh, the king. And yours truly were with the co-hosts. JerichoCruise.com. Going to be a blast. It really is. Another blast coming your way before that will be mid-December in Boston. Our Ringside with Jim Ross show coming to Boston on Saturday, December 16th. That's at Laugh Boston. 3 o'clock is the main showtime. 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It's the same weekend as WWE Clash of Champions. Big weekend for uh, wrestling fans. And I hope you'll start off with us on uh, Saturday, December 16th. Have to be probably be signing some books there and having some fun. Tickets are on sale now at laughboston.com. And I hit those, those dates on the tour, signing tour. Get all that info at jrsbarbecue.com. But this Friday, I will be in Houston, Barnes & Noble. We mentioned that to you earlier. It's the one. There's a bunch of them, but it's the one at 5303 FM, 1960 West. Whew. I'm blown up. Barnes & Noble. This Friday, Houston, Texas at 7 o'clock, by the way. So check it out. Come by and see us. Say hi. Appreciate you guys supporting our Podcast One, all that they do. They keep a lot of us, like Chris Jericho and Steve Austin and others. They, they, they're our support mechanism. And you help, us, you help us by helping them. Pretty simple. They got a great Podcast One app. It's available in the App Store, appropriately enough, and on Google Play. So if you play the Google, have at it. Oh, hi, Jim. Oh, hello, Larry. What's up? You know, I had that program with Bruno. You could have gone on for longer. Wow. Talk about irreverent. Larry. Larry Zavisco once told me his goal in life was to marry a rich Hawaiian, beautiful, beautiful, rich Hawaiian mute and live in a, like a grass shack in Maui. And the only thing he really wanted was a satellite dish along with the rich, beautiful mute. <laughs> oh, hi, Larry. I had a program with Bruno. Folks, you can find my links to all my sponsors at podcastone.com. Just click on the Killer Deals button in the top right corner of the page. Where else would it be? And then drop the Bionic Elbow video on the Ross Report banner, and we will sell like a drunk man. Don't forget, coming up next week, Batista Part 2. Going to open some eyes even more. We're going to talk about, would you come back to WWE? Do you want a one-off? Do you want to resume your career? Who do you want to wrestle? Or do you want to wrestle? Or has that ship sailed? We'll get into that subject next week with Dave Batista. And I really believe you're going to be surprised at what he says. And also next week, ladies and gentlemen, I've been trying to get him on the show for a long time. We talk all the time. I don't know why the hell he hasn't jumped on here. But we'll have Jerry the King Lawler with us next week. We had a great conversation. We talked about a lot of stuff. A lot of fun. A really nice reconnecting with Jerry. Uh, with that depth, in-depth of conversation. I'll tell you this. And I think my producer, Andrew, would agree. It was like listening to him, he and I going on a car trip. And it, was, it really was fun. And I think you're going to see that. So if we do our ringside with Jay on the King shows in 2018, you'll get a little taste of what it could be like. I think you'll have fun with it. So that's it for this week. Remember, do something nice for somebody that's not expecting it. Always maximize life's minutes. And remember that our tomorrows are never guaranteed. 
So from the rolling hills of my home state in Oklahoma, I will soon be in Los Angeles and then Houston. A busy week for the old dude. But until then, until next week, so long, everybody. So long, everybody. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Ross Report. Download a brand new episode every week at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. Trump and the memo. I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. Trust your FBI director on this. President Trump is back at the White House from West Virginia. Trust on the memo, Mr. President. On the, memo, sir. on the memo, sir. White House officials say President Trump will clear the way for the publication of a controversial GOP-authored memo, despite objections from the FBI. The memo was prepared by Republicans on the House Intelligence Committee and is said to allege misconduct by the FBI in its investigation of potential ties between Russia and Trump's 2016 campaign. Shots were fired at Salvador B. Castro Middle School this morning in Los Angeles. Two students were injured. The most uh, critical was a 15-year-old male that a gunshot wound to the head. However, we're placing him in critical but stable condition. A female student is in custody, and the police chief in Los Angeles says they believe she is 12 years old. Police say a gun has been recovered. Another student, a 15-year-old, is in fair condition. I'm Ed Donahue. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on, right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.